Welcome, everybody, to Blissfully Aware, the show in which three opinionated people discuss what's going on in fandom and nerd news in general. I am Bliss, and this week I am joined by a special guest, JD, PhD in fandom tomfoolery. Welcome! Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, definitely, definitely a PhD in fandom tomfoolery. Yeah, yeah, I thought for this particular discussion, you would be a very helpful second opinion. This week, we're going to discuss whether or not the American anti is a cult. Like a, like a cult phenomenon. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, my doctorate isn't in this. I'm not that kind of doctor. <laughs> oh, dang it. I didn't bring in the cult specialist. No. No, but I but I I have opinions. Trademark, copyright. <laughs> I have opinions. So, the reason we're going to talk about whether or not the American anti is some sort of modern day cult is because Twitter user Sam Obermeen Hmm, name, Sam Aubrey. I'm super sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name, Sam. They published a work and like actual academic paper. It's great and all that. So we're going to discuss that and the broader idea of this topic, right? I know they're apparently working on a second paper that is, um, I think it's about boy love. Yeah, it's for queer lit studies. So I read, I read the book "Girls Who Like Boys Who Like Boys," and <laughs> uh, so, so I'm well versed in the phenomena. Um, and yeah, honestly, I have not. I don't think I've read anything recently that has really changed my mind about much except in like small ways that really only impact me and like in terms of like fandom it's hard to find anything that that's going to change your mind and i think i think in terms of like academic papers about how antis are a cult uh that's not going to sway any antis they're in a cult oh absolutely not <laughs> or specifically they're manifesting in like micro cults that's my opinion on that i do think i do think that they are manifesting into micro cults I, I think in terms of like people trying to convince themselves that they are not a cult, they are focusing on the wrong thing. Um, they're focusing on like very small aspects of what makes a cult a cult. Mm -hmm. And they're not focusing on the lower level bureaucratic nonsense tiers of what can create a cult. So, so you know, you'd be hard pressed to find any like young person today who would not say Scientology, you know, oh, it, it, is Scientology a cult? Yes, obviously Scientology is a cult. Does Scientology have a charismatic leader? It did, but it doesn't necessarily have to have one now. You you have in some cases a governing body, but a lot of cults function on like a day-to-day -day individual basis where you have you have power distributed among smaller 
instances. So, so like say the Nixum cult, uh, they had classes that were created by, you know, like lower level, lower tiers. And there were a lot of women who never met the charismatic leader of the Nixum cult, never, never met him. And this is why, um, Alison Mack is facing a lot of backlash because a lot of people, their only connection to this cult was the person who recruited them and the people who were actively blackmailing them and actively altering their sense of self and identity and uh, and everything like that. So when you have, like, I should preface this by saying, you know, there's some things that I say that are fact, some things that I say that are anecdotal and some things that I say that are conjecture. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you're listening, when you're listening to me talk about this, no matter how smart I sound, you you have to be able to, you know, remember. And sometimes I try to to say, okay, this is conjecture. But but anyway, uh, I did a lot of research into uh, into cults and a lot of this is verifiable. You know, you you have this structure to a lot of cults that aunties don't have. But aunties have a an overarching belief system. They have like a common goal. Normally, they have a mm-hmm. common goal or at least a goal that is catered to by their individual like leadership. So each each cell of antis and maybe I shouldn't use the word term cell, but it works really well. It does. Yeah. Each cell of antis has its leader. So you have a whole lot of antis in one grouping uh, of like a discord um a discord server and the leader of that cell of aunties will be whoever moderates that discord server for sure yeah that's who's controlling information not only are they controlling information they're controlling a sense of of identity because you are either in or you are out you are an in group or you are an out group and by further separating the members of their server or further separating the members of their inner circle from outsiders who they will paint as evil or pedos or, you know, they, they create this mm-hmm. bubble around all of these. And usually aunties are young. They're very young. They're children. Uh, they'll create a bubble around these children and they will say inside the bubble is safe. Outside the bubble is not safe. Uh, and that's very, that's very cult-like. It is. And I think, to back up just a little bit, the whole idea of deciding whether or not an anti or anti-ism, the anti-fan, is a cult, I guess sort of boils down to how you define a cult. Because Kendra and I have had this conversation before. I personally think anti-dumb <laughs> is a cult. But for Kendra, it does take some more steps. Uh, Wikipedia says, you know, a cult is a social group that's defined by an unusual religious, spiritual, or philosophical belief, or by a common interest in a particular personality, object, or goal. The sense of the term is controversial, having divergent definitions, both in popular culture and academia. And typically, cults are also defined by having a charismatic leader. But, and and not to pull a Goodwin's Law here, um, you find nowadays with, say, the American fascist movement, thanks to a good old boy, Louis Beam, that 
cults have started taking on a leaderless resistance, small cell group mm-hmm. motif. <laughs> Let's say. I mean, nobody's, nobody's, nobody's out here saying, like, if I were to say MAGA is a cult, mm-hmm. okay, there's a lot of people who would be like, yeah, yeah, MAGA's a cult, because they would view Trump as the leader. Right. But that's not the case. Trump doesn't care about them. Absolutely not. He doesn't, he doesn't have a hand in their dealing. And not only that, they they share an ideological viewpoint, but they don't share they don't share direction. Like there are these little bubbles of the three percenters and the proud boys, two separate cells. Mm. But they are all MAGA. And they are they have an overarching white supremacist ideal. So their ideology is based in white supremacy. Their ideology is based in, in uh, you know, Donald Trump being some kind of weird savior. Um, the three percenters, QAnon, they might, they might have some overlap. Like there might be some overlap in circles and cells. But there's not enough overlap in circles or cells to create a bureaucratic setup like with Scientology or like any of that. So, so I think you're right. I think, you know, the idea of a cult is kind of like amorphous. Like you don't necessarily have to have every single thing for something to be considered a cult or cult-like. So, you know, you don't have to have some, some one savior. Although I do think that aunties could theoretically like kind of uh, condense into a not a singular group, but like like a bigger group that does have a figurehead. Um, I don't I don't want to think about who would become that figurehead. Um, I I could speculate, but yeah, that's not going to help me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> so, yeah. In uh, Samantha Samantha Aubrey's Aubrey's in their paper here, I just like. <laughs> The title of their paper, The Cult Structure of the American Ante, kind of kills me, but I like it very much. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I was I was actually really um I was actually really apprehensive about this uh when you sent it to me because because I'm looking at it and and you know the very first thing I see is the cult structure of the American Ante and it's not capitalized. Mm-hmm. And and I'm just like, oh, 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 because because the author in me is like every every word in this should be capitalized except for of the, you know, (laughs) but then when I read through it, it was like, oh, yeah, this reads like a normal, like a normal academic uh, paper. And and I love scientists because like anthropologists and scientists and whatever, like sometimes you just read their stuff and it's just like, oh, God, this is so smart. But. Man, did you have to say it like this? Right. Um, <laughs> like, and that's normal for academic papers, which is really sad when you make it to college. And so, if any high schoolers are are listening to this right now, let me tell you, college is very sad because you realize that most anthropologists and and historians and scientists are not very good writers. But this actually isn't that bad. You know, it's not. There's a couple things that maybe could have used a little zhuzhing. But yes, uh, all in all, I think it's a good paper. I think it's a great paper. I find it interesting. I think, uh, okay, so one of the things, one of the criticisms of this paper I saw, mostly by aunties, 
because let's be real, Antes did find this paper and took great offense uh, and delight in being offended. As one does. Oh, yeah. One of the things that they tried to use to discredit this is the fact that in the paper, there are screenshots of tweets used as sources. And I need to just write up front, put it on the record. Tweets are admissible evidence and can be used as sources. Tweets are primary sources. They are. I'm sorry. You can use it in uh, lawsuits. It is, yes. it is your thought process you are putting into written form and yes. thus is a source or admissible evidence. So keep that in mind next time you're tweeting threats to people or harassment or libel. Yes. Uh, tweets, tweets are considered primary sources. Um, it's, it's actually really interesting when I was in, when I was in school, I, I was a history major. Probably my, my legacy at my school was, uh, the history department was using one of my Tumblr posts, uh, actually two of my Tumblr posts as teaching tools for their tutoring and that they were handing out in their classes because, uh, they could give out my blog posts instead of uh, assigning a whole textbook on how to do uh, Chicago-style referencing and and stuff like that, because I just took all of the ones that you were actually going to use and I put them all in one place. And uh, and I talked about sources and uh, tertiary sources, secondary sources, primary sources, and tweets are primary sources. The thing about like anthropological or like cultural papers like this, these kinds of academic papers, is that they do not have what a lot of history papers have, which is something called a historiography. And that is a section of your paper that examines your sources for bias. Mm -hmm. uh, so because this paper was put together in a, in a context that required a limit to the amount of space that they could use, and it was also put together not as a history paper, but as a pretty much like a sociology or anthropological cultural uh, introspection, it's not going to have a historiography. So it's not going to go through every single source, every single tweet and say, well, this person thinks this and this person's a Nazi and this person's this, mm -hmm. you know. So you kind of have to you kind of have to take each and every tweet and examine it and, and say, OK, this person's coming from here. Is this tweet being placed in a context that is neutral, positive? And, and of course, in this type of paper, generally it is presented neutrally mm -hmm. so because there's there's really not a persuasion happening here this is just an examination yes there is a bias of course there is there's always going to be you're never going to read a single thing that never has a bias obviously this person thinks aunties are a cult and uh and the word choice in the text is, you know, is very telling that this person thinks that aunties are a cult and a harmful cult at that. And my bias would, I would word it much the same way. So, <laughs> so like you have to kind of take that into account when you're looking at, at uh, studies like this, and especially ones that are limited with, uh, to brevity like this. Well, and I agree. It's, like, obviously, you and I aren't even coming at this unbiasedly. Everybody has a bias. Yes. Uh, it's impossible not to. <laughs> but so in the paper, Sam uses the bite model to 
try and break down how anti-behavior actually could, you know, be applied to a cult scenario. Mm-hmm. And BITE is an acronym for Behavior, Information, Thought, and Emotional Control. So they go through and under behavioral control, they talk about, you know, anti's creating a reward punishment hierarchy system that encourages obedience and publicly shaming and controlling uh, sexual expression and gender identity. Yes. <laughs> Yes, I think we can. I we, I think we can firmly check that one off. I mean, you see every day this ingrained and unquestioned um, self-loathing that they instill in a lot of kids. It's based on identity. It's based on race. It's based on anything that they can get their hands on. Their sexual preferences. It's based on anything that they can theoretically. Uh, they they can't control but they can behave around. Well, yeah, I even saw, uh, this was a couple months ago, but an auntie trying to convince other people that uh, being attracted to your own body was somehow some sort of fetishization. And uh, uh, essentially they were calling it like a sin. You were a pedophile if you found yourself sexy and you were a minor. So like any any foothold they can find. What? <laughs> Under information control, spreading disinformation and rumors, spying, using people's personal information against them, discouraging engagement with all non-anti sources. So, yes, I would agree. Yes, there are a lot of lies. <laughs> oh God, right? So thought control, using loaded language like pedophilia and incest, which are no longer words that have meaning, like... Yeah, we've we've lost those words to the discourse as reactionary buzzwords. Yes. Rejecting critical thinking, using narratives of us versus them, only encouraging, quote, Mm -hmm. pure, unproblematic thoughts as designated by the group. So, yeah, your small discord cells decides what's problematic and what isn't. You have to abide by what the group decides. And generally speaking, like if you're in one cell that accepts one thing and in another cell that accepts the other thing, you are forced to choose. Yep. Yeah. If you choose to be more progressive, you are either hiding it from the other cell or if you choose to be more of a Puritan, uh, you are either hiding that from the other cell and you just don't interact with them or you withdraw from that and you go to the more conservative cell. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. So then we go on to emotional control, which is, I think, the biggest reason people can't escape the anti-circle is this sense of fear that is so thoroughly instilled. So what they say is instilling fear of leaving the group by creating self-doubt and threatening expulsion and targeting focusing on negative emotions and upsetting content while praising hostility. So, yeah, I mean, when you're an anti, you are encouraged to bully and dox and harass people. So the idea of then being ostracized means you are now on the chopping block of now becoming the target of that doxing, bullying, harassment, and so forth. Like, it is already incredibly hard to, like, leave a cult. And I think this is the simplest way to explain why. 
in this particular setting. Yes, because a lot of because a lot of cults their their main thing is everybody outside this cult is evil and bad and we don't want to be like them. So if you are trying to leave, then you are evil and bad and you don't want to be like them. So like there's no way for you to leave that setting without being completely ostracized. And a lot of the lot of the problem is that you've been cut off from everyone outside. So when you try to leave this setting, you don't have mm-hmm. any friends. And you don't have anybody who understands what you're going through. Like you you have been through a trauma of being in this uh, of being in this setting. And you've been through a trauma of discovering your trauma. Like I don't know, I don't know why people don't focus on this, but discovering that you have been traumatized is in itself traumatizing. Like th- because you're reliving it. Because you're like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm I'm having these flashbacks of like everything that happened, and I and I have to I have to go through it piece by piece and realize what these people were doing to me. You know, you kind of have to have that two thousand yard stare for a little bit because wow, were they doing it on purpose? Mm-hmm. You know, like and a lot of a lot of anti cells, some of them know they're not doing it on purpose. They're doing it because of a of a a purely held belief, but you can say that about Scientology as well. You know, any religion, any structure that when you leave or you go against their teachings seeks to cut you off or or send you to conversion therapy or or make you go to some camp or like like tries to control your thoughts that's a cult and that's traumatizing and that's something you know they are they are exerting a social control over you and that's a manifestation of self-censorship well and i think it's also a struggle to leave depending on the circumstances in which you're leaving let's say <laughs> let's yes. preface this yeah. yeah admitting that you've done something wrong is hard and then mm-hmm. admitting that you've done something wrong and now realizing that that can also be done to you by the people that you thought were your friends is mm-hmm. a huge deterrent <laughs> for people. The second they even get that inkling of, hey, maybe this is wrong, that can go right to the back burner because that fear of, well, if it's wrong and I was wrong, then does that mean because it's that us versus them, does that mean I'm part of the mm. them instead of the us? Does that make sense? Yes. Well, and like, I feel like I feel like it's so difficult for a lot of people to kind of just make peace with themselves, like to begin mm-hmm. with, like not even in a cult, you know, it's like, it's like, there's just so much going on. We're such complex human beings, you know, the amount of work that that you have to go through to determine your sense of identity and determine like where your morality is and and all this stuff it's so much easier to let somebody else determine that mm-hmm. for you uh but then also you have to when you're faced with this life-changing blow of like oh no was i wrong then you have to flip it all on its head and that's a that's a lot of work. Um, you know, if you go to your cult support 
group and you say, hey, guys, I'm having doubts and they love bomb you and they tell you, you know, like, oh, my gosh, you know, these we've all had these thoughts and it's totally normal. But but we love you here. And that would never happen to you because you're pure. And, you know, like like we can help you get back on the right track and blah, blah, blah. You know, so like you can you can go through like the love bombing stages. You can go through the shaming stages. You but generally they're not going to shame you until you're too far gone. Oh, absolutely. Or or. It's sort of like the Nixon cult where they they would force you to give them compromising information mm-hmm. about you. And they would use that and they would say, wow, it would really suck if your mom knew that you're gay, you know, or it would really suck if, you know, you, you have to do this thing or, or we'll, we'll dox you, you know, oh, I know where you live. Well, and Sam brings up the hashtag support ex aunties, which is a hashtag that I, and I feel like a lot of people knew was going to sort of put a target on your back, right? Yes. yes. If you actually were an ex-ante and you use this hashtag, people already don't want to tag problematic content mm-hmm. because it just, it puts a target on your back. It does. But so Sam brings up, while the majority of hashtag support ex-ante's posts were positive, some aunties invaded the hashtag. And some of the quotes from aunties are, quote, you will die a lonely death and have no friends and family to call yours. Or another posted image that read, we're going to beat you to death. So once you left, it's just a matter of now we have to harass you. We have to, because that is the model in which we like run this cult. (laughs) Well, and and that's also performative as well. So uh, every every time they they post one of the memes that says, you know, I'm going to beat you to death or kill yourself, any of that, any of that, it's performing for the other aunties that follow them. It's like when you're undercover and you have to, you know, snort the cocaine in the bathroom because if you don't, you know, the drug lord's going to know. <laughs> Like that oh, you're hells, yeah, bestie. Yeah. So so like so even if a lot of these kids a lot of these kids are probably secretly, you know, they probably have a secret account where all they follow is all the problematic uh artists that they find from their auntie friends sharing them and saying, Isn't this disgusting? And it's like, Yes, it's so gross and then they go to their other account and they follow them, you know, and it's like, Oh, just make sure you don't get your accounts crossed up. Then you're going to be Ted Cruz uh, yeah. liking <laughs> porn on 9-11. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, like you took it. You just got to make sure you got that organization. I really feel for these kids who have gotten like caught up in the anti-ideology because because, you know, like. Kids aren't ideologically pure ever. Kids are no. little kids are little monsters. Like, I'm sorry, y- you want to be part of the in-group. You say what you want to say to be in the in-group. And you force yourself to be uncomfortable because that's what's cool. And it's sad because the support ex ante's tag was like, was really useful for a lot of, you know, these kids that were like, oh my gosh, like I can, you know, I can finally... I can finally talk to somebody. I can finally talk to them about, you know, this trauma that I've been through with these aunties, blah, 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 blah. But then they were opening themselves up to harassment. And and that that time period saw a lot of 
of new accounts started by aunties and they were just testing the water. Mm-hmm. They were saying, you know, I am an ex-auntie. I want to follow a bunch of pro shippers, which for the record, I don't identify as a pro shipper. I just wanted to to, to put that one out there. For sure. Uh, there were a lot of ex-aunties that were like, I I am new to, you know, like the, the pro shipping scene. You know, I know a lot of people might not trust me and, you know, I'm going to try to to stay away from the people that I have harassed in the past because it would really suck. It would, I'm sorry, but it would really suck to find out that somebody who followed you and was interacting with your posts was like an auntie, you know, three months ago who sent you death threats. That would be rough to find out. (laughs) Yeah. Like it would be, it would be like, Oh uh, yes, I'm, I'm going to be, you know, I'm, I'm going to have this whole discussion with you. And there, you know, some 20 year old who sent you a death threat three months ago, but like, you don't know that. And it's like, man, like I, I have no problem giving some people the benefit of the doubt and like second chances, but that would be rough to find out. Mm -hmm. um, Cause I've had people, I've had people tell me, like they were like, hey, you know, this is me. Maybe you remember me. Maybe you don't. I sent you a death threat, you know, like blah, blah, blah. I'm really sorry about that. And I've turned a new leaf. You know, can I follow you? And back when I had a uh, an actual public account, I was like, yeah, you can follow me. But private account? Oh, yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> no way. I don't I don't even I don't even let some people that I knew follow my private account. Like. Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm very selective of the people who get to see my private account. Although it's mostly me complaining about, you know, having a tummy ache or not sleeping well or, you know, I cried because I watched a sad episode of an anime today. <laughs> you know, you follow my private. Yeah, I do. I do follow your private account. Your your private account is, is pretty tame compared to mine anyway. Yeah, you have all the good stuff on your private. <laughs> And I spent the better part of this past year on nothing but my private account. And uh, and part of that was the fact that my my public account, I didn't keep I didn't keep that username. So I was impersonated. Oh, ah, the great impersonation. That was great. That was great. I, I love that. That was I was that was when I was on like the height of antidepressant so it was like so i'm like cackling about it. i'm like ah look guys i'm famous <laughs> i was tickled to the bone i tell you what i just thought that it was the funniest thing i'd ever seen i was like ah, you know like i thought it was really funny i thought it was kind of cute but you know like i didn't think i didn't think it was particularly malicious but yeah i mean that that in itself uh kind of portrays the uh the cult like personality in some pro ship spaces because that did not happen from an ante that was not an ante that was a pro shipper well and so let me ask you this because we're talking about whether or not the american ante is uh, a cult do yeah. you think to a lesser extent, or even to the same extent, uh, that pro-shippers, self-identified pro-shippers, is a type of cult. And that this is tricky, and like I should preface, like obviously, no offense to anybody, this is purely like hypothetical, but... Uh, I've already been canceled on Twitter, like, t- t- like twice. <laughs> um, so... So I can unironically just kind of go ahead and say yes to this. And 
I'm going to tell you why. Because there's the same kind of reactionary thought control mm-hmm. in some pro shipper spaces. And pro shippers also have cells of pro shippers. Um, they are all combined under a similar ideology, much like antis are. But some of them are more conservative. Some of them are more progressive. I'm going to say that like conservative pro shippers are uh, more reactionary. They are more likely to make exceptions uh, to censor what they like content that they don't like. And they you do have to choose between factions a lot of the time. So um, like there are pro shippers that that I will interact with, but I, on an individual basis, like like not every rainbow meaty is my friend. Mm-hmm. But in general, a lot of, you know, rainbow meaties are going to speak to me. Um, some of them hate me. That totally does not bother me in the slightest. Um, <laughs> like, that's the antidepressants. This is a power Prozac. Uh, but. <laughs> You know, there's there's kind of like this, it, you've got these factions that kind of like, sometimes they can work together and sometimes they can't. And you can have, you can have major differences between the two of them, like between two of them or between three of them or uh, between all of them, but they are under a united banner of, you know, fiction is not one-to-one with you, with reality. You know, their, their ideology is pretty firmly set. Some of them are more into anti-censorship. Some of them are to censorship, but with our rules, um, which is which is very anti of them. But, you know, like whatever. Mm-hmm. So you have this kind of like cult-like structure. They do have um, strong personalities that kind of not govern them, but sort of like lead them. Um, the the personalities are very loud they're very big and they are not above lying same as aunties so you know you kind of have to judge on like a personal basis this is why i don't i don't identify as a pro shipper because i am leery nowadays of anyone who labels themselves um and is loyal to more than just friendships you know what i mean like like if you're if you're going to jump yeah. into the fire for someone you don't even know just because they they argued against an anti one time with you no like that's not mm-hmm. that's no bueno i genuinely and i see this with pro shippers and i see this with antis obviously having a conversation is not always having an argument disagreeing about something is not mm-hmm. always an argument and even arguing about something is not the end of the world. You are allowed to mm-hmm. argue with people. I had a a conversation with Kelty this morning in which we did not agree about something. And that is not the end of the world. We are still best friends. We will continue to be best friends. We later on in the day had a conversation about nothing and it was just fine. It's okay to disagree with your friends or with people. I think in pro shipping and anti spaces specifically in this like very niche corner of fandom, uh, it, it becomes almost cult like because you feel like you have to agree with the people on your side because it's an us versus them scenario now. So anybody with a rainbow meat in their username, you have to just go and run and defend without 
reading through the thread and seeing if maybe you actually do agree with or find what they're Mm -hmm. saying defendable. Like, obviously, if they're getting harassed and being sent a death threat, sure, I'd jump in and be like, hey, let's not. How about no? (laughs) But, like, before I jump in and defend anybody, and I'm talking even people I'm friends with, like, friends Mm -hmm. with, Mm -hmm. I will read through the thread first to decide whether or not that's a conversation that I feel warrants me defending, is if that's a hill I'm yeah. willing to die on. Yeah. That day. Uh, yeah. I mean, I had, uh, I had a couple, um, and I would characterize them as, as rainbow meaties, um, where I, I pulled them aside uh, and in a DM, and I would say, hey, this is indefensible, you know, like, we can talk this through, you know, we, we can reconsider like this argument, because this is not something that that is sustainable as an argument. Like this is not something that that needs to be said, like, it's not necessary to have this conversation with this person. It's too reactionary. You don't have the whole story, blah, 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 blah. You know, like, because a lot of times when you're acting emotionally, that's when you have reactionary responses. And um, and reactionaryism is what I have decided is the bane of my existence. Um, so, you know, if I see one of my friends or even people who aren't necessarily my friend, I'll call them in before I call them out. I love that. And if I can't call you in Mm -hmm. and it's important enough, I'm going to call you out. I love that. I love the idea of calling in versus calling out because that's something I think we should be doing a little bit more is having the discretion of being willing to pull somebody aside. I've. I've pulled I've pulled aunties aside. I've legit DM'd aunties and uh sometimes it's it's just a matter of they need to get that thought out and you're not gonna change your mind. You can't. It's uh, you know, and I've I've asked aunties, I've I've said, Are you ever concerned that, you know, this this harassment is going to come back on you one day? And and the answer is no. They don't believe it'll happen. And it maybe it won't. And hey, uh that'd that'd be great if it doesn't. I really hope it doesn't. Uh, calling in is is a an underused tactic, and the most important part about that, to to quote the the book title, conflict is not abuse. There has not been a single time mm-hmm. that I have felt abused by uh, anyone in any group chat that I've ever been in. Anyone who has called me in, because I've been called in. Heck yeah, I have calling out can happen like that's it's it's a thing that sometimes needs to happen but uh calling in is is very underrated and and i think some people call out because their their emotions get a hold of them and it's tricky because you have to also have the person you're speaking to that you're calling in be receptive to that because if they're also in an emotional place and they perceive that as a non-public call out of sorts you have to be willing to accept that they are not in a place to hear you. Yes, yes. You have to allow them the space to process what you've told them. Because, mm-hmm. like, there's, in, in, let's go back to the cult. It's really easy to be nice to somebody who is out, out of a cult, who has escaped a cult. It is really hard to be nice to somebody who's still in one. It's interesting. It's interesting, the idea treating aunties and even treating pro shipping like they're cults like they're two warring cults (laughs) i mean it it doesn't fix anything it doesn't give us any like tools to help alleviate the issues 
that still comes down to individuals deciding what hills they're going to die on, how they're going to talk to other people, how they're going to handle harassment and specific situations, um, like using a call in versus a call out. But I think at least for me, wrapping my head around the current temperament of where fandom is these days, because it's so hard to, as we've discussed on the show, separate pro shipping and antis from fandom at large these days. I I think it gives me a little bit of hope that this cult behavior will die down as a lot of cults do. A lot of them tend to like crumble under their own weight. (laughs) Not all of them, but I don't think the Puritines and the pro shippers are going to be able to sustain something with like any amount of longevity. I don't think fucking five, ten years from now, fandom is going to look like this. I mean, fucking five, ten years in the past, fandom wasn't like this. It is a evolving thing, as everything in life is. And I think we get caught up because we're in this moment, thinking, well, it's only going to get worse, that we need to take a step back and say, well, okay, (laughs) (laughs) hold on. Because we got past the 2013 Tumblr days. We survived the super hulock wars. I think fandom, I think fandom mirrors a lot of uh, cultural trends, like worldwide cultural trends, and especially American cultural trends, because America, the internet is so America centric, uh, and especially Twitter. And Mm -hmm. 2016 the whole like trump administration you know you had like this influx of you know this nationalism this 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 pride this this kind of this example of how misinformation can get you what you want and there's no repercussions there's no consequences to that you know you can just shut out everybody who disagrees with you you can claim that that they're attacking you even if it's just counter speech because a lot of what people say is harassment is actually just counter speech. You are presenting speech, mm-hmm. they are presenting counter speech. And counter speech does not have to be polite. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess to get back to the article. Yeah. The paper concludes essentially saying, yeah, instead of being given the tools and resources to make safe and educated decisions on a case by case basis, Teens and anti-spaces are called to arms and encouraged to engage in recklessly abusive behavior towards themselves and others over topics they do not yet fully understand while simultaneously spreading troubling ideologic misinformation. And I agree. I think, I hope that a lot of antis will grow out of this behavior and not just turn into adult QAnon. Very, very optimistic. I really do hope that. I try not to be a pessimist. I know that a lot of the current height of this whole pro-ship versus anti-ship debacle (laughs) we're at with it is in reaction to the QAnon purity movement, the general just like protect the children movement that was brought on by the 2016 American election and Trump. And then COVID locking us all inside and online terminally. Mm -hmm. So hopefully moving forward, we will have or develop some sort of tool to move past this because it's unsustainable. Uh, I genuinely do think and hope that 
these aunties are aware that their behavior will haunt them for the rest of their life. They will have to carry their actions with them for the rest of their life. I carry actions and things that I said and did as a teenager with me to this day. And that is just straight up, it's not a warning, it is a statement of fact. You are going to get older one day and look back on your actions now. Not that there are any aunties listening to my show. Maybe they will when they find out that I called pro shippers a cult. I and <laughs> and I and I apologize to anyone who takes offense to that. You're feel free to yell at me in my DMs. I uh, I don't care. I love you all. <laughs> yeah, I mean the thing is, I don't think I love pro shippers. I really do, for the most part. I mean. If I had to pick what side I'm on, if I really had to pick gun to head, I would be a pro shipper, right? I don't like to use that term, but it feels like the further we get along in this whole debacle, you really are forced to pick this side. But yeah, I mean, I, I have some faith that moving forward, things will get better in fandom. I do hope that, uh, these aunties who are out here doxing, people and outing people and suiciding baiting people um really really do have a dark night of the soul though i really i i I hope that you know what i um maybe they'll they'll uh maybe they'll have a come to jesus because because like think of all the emotions that you've had throughout your life and think of all of those come to jesus moments you've ever had just one of those jd i'm jewish okay so not come to jesus (laughs) Come to, <laughs> Come to Moses. Come to Moses. You know, uh, uh, I need to. I need a euphemism for when you know Moses came down from the mountain and like everybody turned around and you know they were like real shocked. <laughs> Don't look at our golden calf. Uh, oh, oh, it's not what you think. <laughs> um. No, like, like I really, I, I think it's optimistic, but I also, I also think that you've got time on your side, mostly because, like, when a lot of um, aunties become eighteen, they suddenly realize, oh no, I'm not pure anymore, you know, and they realize that they can't mm-hmm. have the friends that they that they had because their circles won't allow them to. Uh, and some circles allow adults. The only adults there are the ones that have the power, and if they don't mm-hmm. want you to have the power, they're not going to let you stick around. So it's it's an interesting dynamic. Um and and that's that's one leg up that pro shivers have. Um it's that they're adults. They're pretty firmly uh within their identities already. Uh they have a pretty firm I- idea of what their morality is and and uh and they already have everything kind of set in stone. Not all of them. Sometimes you throw them for a loop. Uh I think I've thrown many pro shippers for a loop. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I do think pro shippers are cult a little bit. Yeah, but we love you. Yeah, I love you. I don't know, JD. Did we even talk about the thing? <laughs> we talked about the thing. We talked about the. It's the cult. The cult. That was that was the thing. Yeah, cults. Fandom is a cult in general these days. Fandom is a is a cult. There's a bunch of warring cults. Just cults on cults on cults all the way down. Cults on cults on cults. Well, let's go ahead and wrap up then. I feel like we talked about the thing. 
we talked about the thing and then I and I like and I like went and had rants and I'm so sorry. You're fine. <laughs> Hopefully you can cut that into something usable. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean I brought you on specifically because this is some tomfoolery, man. I mean, obviously aunties are not gonna go down in the ledger as being a cult, and neither are pro shippers. This is all purely just for the sake of us having a conversation. A hypothetical conversation, yeah. So um well so every episode I like to end with asking all of us to talk about one happy thing we're either doing or has happened to us this week so that we end on a positive note. JD, do you have a happy? I do. I I do have a happy. It happened this morning. I'm so excited about this. As I was walking to work this morning, um, I was distracted by this little kid who was waving at me from across the street. And uh, and he waved at me, so I waved at him because when a little kid waves at you, you wave at the little kid. And mm-hmm. he looked at his father after I waved at him, and he said, "Who is she?" Like I was famous. <laughs> and I have thought about that all day. Oh, yes, JD, that's adorable. Yeah, he was like, "Who is she?" And I was just like, ah. <laughs> like, and of course his dad, like, ah, oh, yeah, she lives over there, like. <laughs> But but I was like, ah, yes, ah, it's like I'm Beyonce. <laughs> uh, well, so my happy is I've started playing Breath of the Wild again. I watched the Game Grumps play through it while I was drawing. And then I had to play again because monkey see monkey do. Totes. I'm, I'm having a good time being Link and killing monsters so that's been fun that's made me happy this week (laughs) it's such that's such a beautiful game too oh it's so pretty it is um well so jd thank you so much for joining me this week and helping just have this conversation this hypothetical i appreciate you dr jd phd fandom tomfoolery fandom tomfoolery i hope to have you back on for more fandom tomfoolery Mm. in the future oh god okay (laughs) (laughs) prepare your butt (laughs) you are now on speed dial oh god (laughs) okay (laughs) you know uh if anybody who is listening who hates me you're you're gonna get you're gonna get an earful from it you hate jd you're welcome to come and at me I, I don't guarantee I'll answer, but... Uh, she may try. send you Bo Burnham's problematic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but if you'd like to find us online, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Blissfully Show. I post links to our YouTube there. If you're watching us on YouTube, hi, hello... Uh, let me know if you think aunties and or pro shippers qualify as a cult. I'm actually really interested to hear what some of y'all have to say. And then until next time, bye. Oh my God. Give me two seconds. I forgot their username. My gosh. What, What kind of tomfoolery is this?